When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Holly. Hello, Dave. Should I say Merry Christmas? It's that time again. Yeah, feeling very festive. How about you? Are you feeling festive? I am feeling festive. I'm feeling newly festive. Really? And why might that be? So our guest today is a return guest. She's been with us a few times. I feel like I'm hosting a game show here. Can you guess who our guest is? Annie Zaleski, one of our favorite writers of Music-related books has written a book called This is Christmas, Song by Song, The Stories Behind 100 Holiday Hits. For our listeners who might not have heard any of our chats with Annie before, for all the facts we know about our favorite artists, Annie knows like 10 times more, maybe only five times more than you. She is chock full of knowledge and everyone knows that, which is why the Rock Hall comes to Colin when they need something written about George Michael. When the New Yorker asks her to write about some, she's there. But this time the assignment is, this is Christmas song by song in which she picks 100 of the most meaningful Christmas songs. Songs that everyone knows and loves. Maybe not so much knows, but you'll create a playlist and soon love it. And as Holly mentions, as we talk to Annie, that it's going to be a nice resource book when we need to Think of a good Christmas song. We could just kind of scan through this now. Such great information for the artists, how the songs came to be, who covered the songs, who actually wrote the songs. It's fun and interesting and everything that you would want to know. We're asked every year to mention a Christmas song and talk about it. We're just going to, I think, for the next 100 years, Holly, is this okay if we... 100 years, yes. For the next 100 years, once a year, we'll pick a song from this book and talk about it ad nauseum. When we get our special assignment, we will reference this book. It's out now. We're going to talk about a lot of our favorite songs. But before we do, what are we going to talk about? Social media. Woohoo! I need to shake those bells. Ring them bells. Find us on social media at WDDIM Podcast and on YouTube at What Difference Does It Make Podcast. And we're going to post outtakes of our chat with Annie. You want to follow us. She's so knowledgeable. You will for sure get something out of it. And she's fun and funny. And we love Annie. Let's get into it. This is friend of the show, Annie Zaleski. She wrote a book. It's called This is Christmas, Song by Song, The Stories Behind 100 Holiday Hits. On the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Hello. Hey. Hi. Oh my God, your shirt is so good. I don't feel festive enough. Do I need to go put on something festive? Yeah, oh, Annie, we had such high hopes for you. I know. I have I have like a Santa hat. I love Christmas yeah. music and I was thrilled that this book is coming out. Yay. Okay, I'm, I just have to go at it for a minute. Dave knows, and I'm embarrassed to say this to you, and we may have had this conversation before. I'm just not a huge fan of the genre. I was never a huge fan of Christmas music. Just and not. It's, it's understandable, though. It's funny. I meet people, and either they're like all in, or they're just like, you know, no. You know, I, I talk to people who work retail, and they're just like, no, I can't deal with it. November 1st onward for two months on end. You know, I hear it over and over again. I just, I can't deal with it. I totally get that. 
And, you know, it's weird. It, it is a genre in, in unto itself. And it's kind of grown into that. It is sort of a weird, mm. sort of nebulous sort of thing. So reading your book, I never gave it maybe the time that I should have, the music in the past, the time. I just, not so much that you're bombarded with it from November 1st on. It just was not so interesting to me. But reading about the stories behind your songs and seeing your, you know, your choices, you really changed my life. Reading the stories is so interesting. I even loved, you know, seeing who covered the ones I didn't know. And now I will refer to it regularly. So thank you. (laughs) And it's unique because, you know, half the reason why I was excited to write this book and, you know, that was probably the biggest thing I discovered was that there were all these songs I've heard forever, you know them by heart, but I never really stopped to think about, well, who wrote them? When did they actually come about? How did they come about? I never really stopped to go back and research that. And so when I did, it was astounding. There were so, so many of them that had such interesting backstories, had such, you know, kind of convoluted backstories or even mysterious backstories. You know, I had no idea. And so that was really thrilling for me too. Like it gave me new appreciation for some of these songs. Yeah. If you listen to our past Christmas podcast, Holly is bah humbugging the entire episode. (laughs) I I bring this enthusiasm to, to so many songs. And she's like, eh, I don't know. Nah, doesn't mean anything to me. You're the Siskel of Ebert of Christmas I th- music. I think so. In your introduction, you say the 100 most meaningful Christmas songs. What does that mean? The most meaningful Christmas songs. Oh, geez. See, I probably wrote that on the day I was writing the intro. I didn't stop to think someone was going to ask me about that. <laughs> Putting together this book, I mean, it was it was challenging trying to figure out just a hundred. I've already told people because I've already had people say, why was it Lowe's just like Christmas in there? Or where is the new kids on the block covers record? So it's very fair. I said I would need like, you know, 25, 30 more slots to be comprehensive. It was kind of a look at the really memorable ones, the ones that you always hear that everyone knows, you know, obviously Mariah Carey, you know, White Christmas, things like that. And then looking at some of the stuff that maybe, you know, you didn't know about or some kind of more obscure ones. And what I tried to do is do a balance of eras and style of music and and different artists and you know to kind of show that you know Christmas music didn't end with Mariah Carey new songs there's been a lot of really interesting ones too in the last few decades and so it was kind of a balancing act and my initial spreadsheet I had way more that I wanted to and I had to make some very severe cuts so it's just the ones that when you think of that it draws some sort of emotion out of you when you hear that you're like oh I have a memory attached to that or oh I remember this so that was kind of what I was going for you were also good about covering all the years I mean, you didn't pick too many from any one particular year. And I love that it's set up chronologically. I could never do a ranking. I I would never hear the end of it if I had to like, you know, rank the hundred Christmas songs of all time. Because I I feel like also people would also focus on that and they would be angry or, you know, that, you know, their favorite song was an X amount of ranking that it would take away from actually like reading about the music. That's what I did. I I said, okay. And I I literally have my spreadsheet had the years of everything. And I kind of looked and said, all right, you know, let's make sure that are there so many in the seventies, maybe we need to add some more in the sixties. You know, how about the fifties? And then, beyond that because there were a lot like in 1970 71 huge amount of songs if there was like a christmas boom that year it was really interesting i listened to a good chunk of them after reading and i thought i think i might actually have a favorite here which is unbelievable because i'm not known for having favorites but it's from the 70s so the kinks the father christmas oh i love that song Outside of the department store, a gang of kids came over and bugged me and knocked my reindeer to the floor. 
I hadn't heard the song. I find it amazing because that's all I hear on classic rock stations was Father yeah. Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just give me some money. I mean, it's, it's a perfect King song that it speaks to class and those that have and those that do not, those that suffer. You know, what is interesting is that, you know, with this list, you know, if you mention a song, they're like, oh, of course I know that. Yeah, that makes sense. But there are a lot of Christmas songs. People are like, oh, I'm not familiar with that. It's really interesting. And I think that's something else that really kind of speaks to what songs have sort of survived, you know, in terms of being having heavy radio play or in-store play, but then also just like your different experience to Christmas music. But the Kinks, I love that one because it was, it was so funny because that came when they were, their career was sort of in a weird place in the 70s. It was interesting to me that they were actually bigger in the U.S at that point than in the UK. And so this song came about it. It is. It's a story talking about class and talking about, you know, kids who beat up Santa Claus, but they basically, you know, they want Santa to bring, you know, jobs and like money because it's a very depressed time in England, which 1977, there you go. And it's also kind of one of their more punkish songs, I think too. And, you know, I think the Kinks especially were known for kind of towing the line and being a little bit, you know, more aggressive and heavier at times. And so it just really, it it sounds very, very, sort of futuristic and it wasn't a hit that's the funny thing is that it's not like this was a huge hit at all and it's become this sort of classic standard but yeah i love it and it's just they did the song in character when they performed in england that year it's it's great it's just perfect is there a playlist of all your songs Has, have you or someone else made the 100 song playlist available yes okay and i should share that there's a spotify playlist and it's funny believe it or not 99 songs of the 100 are there the only one that's missing is xtc aka the three wise men thanks for christmas It was a little bit, I think, poppier, though, than the stuff they were doing at the time, because that was like right around like English Settlement and Big Express and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So it was definitely a little bit more of the um, almost Kingsian, actually, sort of um, approach. It's so good. It's so great. It's such a, you know, a fake XTC song, but it's like an actual XTC song. It's so good. It's like AI (laughs) created an XTC song. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know who who produced that? That wasn't during the Rundgren years, was it? No, it was before the Dukes of Stratosphere. So that was like right when Andy was like, I'm going to have a million different personalities and record with them. But they kind of had the subterfuge going, like they released it. It was a big old kind of like wink, wink. Even in the trade magazines, they were talking like, oh, yeah, it's this band. And you know, they all denied it was XTC. But you listen to it. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's XTC. Like no denying that that's Andy Partridge singing. And it sounds like them, too. A lot of these bands kind of take on Christmas music as a challenge and because of that, we have one of my favorite songs, The Pogues' Fairy Tale of New York. Yes. And that was a challenge that was laid to Shane. Wasn't it Elvis Costello said, hey, I bet you can't make a Christmas song. He's like, exactly. And he was like, okay, want to bet? But, you know, like with The Pogues, that one took a little bit to come together. Like, I think they they tried it and there were some, I think the lyrics were like almost like a sea shanty or something like that. There was like a totally bizarre 
different origin story. It didn't quite work. And then, yeah, it took a little bit for them to get together. But it's so good. And you're right. That sounds like if, if you only listen to that song and said, oh, it's the Pogues, you know, you would have such a different perception on what that band is than, you know, the rest of their catalog. And that, that is a really good point that so many of these Christmas songs are outliers in people's catalogs. It just sounds like something like nothing else that they've done. Because this is totally new to me, but um, the Lady Gaga song. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> exactly. It is in your face. It's just called Christmas Tree, which is like such a bland title for like kind of like a risque sort of song. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. So <laughs> I guess. Dave, give it a listen. That was 2008. So she had just come out for like, was, you know, making waves. And so that was definitely kind of in her phase when she was being a little bit cheekier and was definitely still had her kind of Lower East Side, era, you know, art, yeah, edginess, exactly kind of going. But this is the time to have fun. Take these covers and just kind of put on a new personality, like Madonna's Santa Baby doing the Eartha Kitt song. I always thought that that was just a, a blast. I just loved her just kind of embellishing herself in this character, which she kind of, it kind of fit perfectly with her. And I, I love that. That's one of my favorite versions. Santa baby, slip a stable under the tree for me. Being an awful good girl, Santa baby, and hurry down the chimney tonight. baby an outer space convertible to light blue i'll wait up for you dear santa baby and hurry down the chimney tonight and she did it i mean and, and obviously and so that was like the mid 80s and she did it so well and what's so funny about that is that's that was something else i discovered and this probably wouldn't be surprising but in a lot of these Christmas songs, there were so few of them actually written by women, especially the very, very, you know, the, the ones that we all know and love. And that was one of them. And so if you listen to it, you're like, wow, this really nails it. This really, you know, gets the female experience or just kind of in, and spoofs it at the same time. That's because it was co-written by a woman. And so and, and Madonna really, really picked up on that and really picked up on, you know, it was very sort of like if Material Girl would sing a Christmas song, it would be Santa Baby. And so like, that's exactly it. Who is the woman? Please. It's a woman named Joan Javits. And, you know, she didn't do, uh, you know, that was kind of, I think her most well-known thing, you know, and I'd never, honestly, I had never really heard of her. And so it was, you know, it was good to sort of rediscover somebody who was like, wow, you know, I don't know much about her and maybe you should get a little bit more do that because you 
don't really get a lot to do. And I think that tells you a lot of also like in Christmas music, who kind of gets known for writing Christmas songs and who doesn't. So that was also very interesting too. So speculate on that. Why, why is it? You know, I think, I, I think honestly, because that's sort of how the songwriting kind of like houses were at, at that point, where it's just like, it was just dominated by men. Honestly, it's striking. Like there are certain people that just have written over and over again, you know, and someone like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was written by Johnny Marks, who worked in advertising. So, you know, you think of someone like that, who is also in a very high powered situation and a high powered job. And those are the people that got the jobs back in the day, you know, in the 1940s and 1950s. So it's sort of a microcosm of what like the music industry uh, was like itself. And I think a lot of people then too, like if you got into the, you know, the, the Christmas or holiday music sort of like rotation, you get called again. And so I think that helps too, that a lot of people sort of were able to kind of get into it and they stayed into it even over the years. I will say that our people like Ellie Greenwich, you know, she wrote Christmas Baby, Please Come Home or co-wrote it. So there were definitely some people, Joni Mitchell is like in the book was like the first solo woman to write a song. Everyone else was like a co-writing with people. I was also going to say the other people who great Christmas songs are the Jews. We it is absolutely, <laughs> the absolutely. Jews, we write the best songs. I tell you, we write the songs that make the whole world sing. Someone. And now why is that? Because I did notice that. And I thought that was just awesome. And I, also very fascinating. Yeah, I, that's true. I, I don't know. I think maybe because we're observers of this festival oh. and you know, who knows? We just see it from afar. I don't know. But yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, roasting chestnuts on an open fire. That's like, okay, I've Jews don't do that, but it seems like something that the Gentiles do. I don't know. <laughs> I always love that. What's the Saturday Night Live? There was the, uh, oh, Christmas time for the Jews. Did you ever see? Oh, it? yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Someone ever done like a book on Jewish holiday music, like for Hanukkah and things like that? How about you for next year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, have, I would, I would defer. I would defer to someone yeah. else with more knowledge to do that. But I know there's some, like they might be giants. I have a couple. Um, obviously there's like the Adam Sandler song. I'm sure that there are some. There's some, and they usually, they're like pop songs. They last for a year and then everyone forgets about them. They don't last. Oh, that's they're, so sad. Yeah. Talking Christmas, talking holidays, talking music. It's all fun and games until we take a break, which is what we're going to do right now. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. We're back on the What Difference Does It Make podcast with Annie Zaleski. A lot of our stuff is also uh, comedic. I, I guess that's kind of where I leaned as well, which is which is why you go to Bob and Doug McKenzie. You didn't have Cheech and Chong on there. I guess that wasn't really a uh, a song. Mama, mama, cita, donde esta Santa Claus? The vato with a bony knees is coming down the street with no shoes on his feet and he's going to... No, no, that didn't. Mama, mamacita, donde esta Santa Claus? The guy with the hair on his jaws is... Hey, man, come over here, man. I need some help, man. Yeah, man, I can dig that. Like, uh, what are you doing, man? I'm trying to write a song about Santa Claus, man, but it's not coming about out. About who, man? man? About Santa Claus, man. You know, Santa Claus, Oh, man. yeah, man. I played yeah, with those dudes, man. But see, that's another, like, I should have had Bob, I think Bob and Doug McKenzie was on one of my early lists because I absolutely, you know, I love, I, you know, I think I put them as like also, I mentioned them as also covering because, you know, growing up in Cleveland, you know, we were so close to Canada. Mm. That's always played on the radio. So like, that's the song that like I knew from like a very early age was the the 12 beers of Christmas. <laughs> yeah. A, so a totally know that. And a beer yeah, that, and a that, tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Total standard. <laughs> What is it that makes all these bands want to make Christmas music? Is it charts? Is it money? Is it, you know, they know the audience? What's the reason? It's a good question. You know, I think it varies <laughs> for, you know, a lot of artists. I mean, I think some of the songs on here sort of accidentally became Christmas songs. You know, like Joni Mitchell's River. You know, she wrote that. She didn't mean for it to be a Christmas song, but because, you know, it mentions Christmas and it mentions snow, it sort of turned into an unofficial one. It's coming on 
Christmas. They're cutting down trees. They're putting up reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace. Oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away on. But it don't snow here. It stays pretty green. I'm gonna make a lot of money, then I'm gonna quit this crazy scene. I wish I had a river I could skate away on. I wish I had a river so long I would teach my feet to And so that's just like one example. But there are some, I think, that, you know, like the waitresses, for example, Christmas wrapping came about because their label was doing a Christmas record and they're like, you're going to do a song for it. And so, you know, they basically, the, the owner booked them studio time and said, you're doing this. And so, you know, there's stuff like that, you know, there's like, you know, Bowie and Bing Crosby, that was a TV special. So I think some of it was basically other people saying you're doing this. Other of it was just, you know, they just sort of decided that they wanted to do that. I think, you know, you, when you think of something like Happy Christmas War is Over at the time, that was sort of used as, you know, a, very much what like John and Yoko politically where they were at the time. And so there's stuff like that. Obviously, Band-Aid was done for charity. So it just, it varies. It varies really, really wildly. And I think some people dislike Christmas, you know, like I, I'm not sure why King Diamond did no presents for Christmas, but like, you know, sure, it totally works because it's just so bizarre. Okay, you mentioned songs that weren't necessarily envisioned as Christmas songs. So the Annie Lennox, Put a Little Love in Your Heart. That was and that gets sort of like slips in because it was in Scrooge. It was in a movie. Right. So that's another one. Like if you're in a Christmas movie, you almost automatically become a Christmas song. Exactly. So that's what I'm wondering because I never got a reference to that. So I, I know it's from Scrooge, but there's no reference in it to Christmas. I guess it depends on the placement. So I bet like your favorite version of the 12 days of Christmas is probably the Muppets, right? I love the Muppets one. Yes. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 
Right. It's when you hear it as a kid, and I, that probably brings back, it, like Christmas, it just evokes memories. On the 12th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 12 drummers drumming, 11 drummers piping, 10 mortalaping, 8 maids of milk, and 7 swans of swimming, 6 And it is difficult because, you know, some of these things thinking, I'm like, what is actually the, you know, iconic version? Because I tried to do that. I tried to think of, figure out the ones that people knew. And some of these, it was really hard because there have been so many different versions of it. You know, some of them are obvious, but something like Santa Baby, I ended up going with the original, but that totally could have been Madonna's version because it's so good. Like Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. I went with Darlene Loves because Darlene Love is so amazing, but you too covered that and they did a really good cover too. And so, uh, you know, that, those were some of my hard decisions in terms of figuring out what was best. Okay. So where do you sit with the Phil Spector record? Do you love oh, it? It's, I love it. You know, now, I mean, it definitely has an asterisk because obviously with everything that happened in his personal life and his crimes, like you just can't excuse those. But, you know, you listen to the songs and the songs and like, you know, all the musicians on there, their contributions and the songs and just the way they performed. It's just, there aren't that many, you know, Christmas albums that work and hang together as an album. You know, I think the Beach Boys definitely does, but like the Phil Spector one, you know, hundred percent does. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, that kind of like invented a whole new strain of Christmas music when you listen to it. It's just, you could have included a lot of songs on there and I limited it to two, but you know, it's a perfect record. It's impossible. Right. And the fun fact, I always mention to people, what day was it released? I don't remember. What <gasps> is it? It was November 22nd, 1963. Right. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a reason why it got overshadowed <laughs> yeah. that year when it was released. There were other other things in the news that people were more preoccupied with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tough day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Tough day. Yeah. But yeah, that's a testament to that album is that it just grows. That's when I know it's it's Christmas time when, the, when that's on oh. the road. <laughs> that starts playing. <laughs> now, when do you start playing? That's the thing. Do you have, you say, does it have to be a specific day to start listening to Christmas music? Usually at, like uh, the day after, well, like Thanksgiving, the day after is when okay. I am. I used to work for a company that did Christmas music. We did it in stores. So I was listening to Christmas music in July. So, wow. So, did yeah. you? Did you program that channel, Dave? Or oh, did yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Just the, I, I you did a lot of that. It? Yeah, we put it in. Okay. I mean, we sprinkled in, you know, I had a lot of rock stations that I did, but we also did 
in stores. So we had to have all this music ready to go. You know, everybody wanted on November 1st. You got to prepare for it. I mean, all these artists recorded this music in July, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And they wrote these songs. It would be like, you know, in the middle of August in the steamy weather. And they're like, I'm going to cool down and write a Christmas song. There are so many of those. That was very surprising to me as well. Right. You have to do that. I, I read like a lot of these artists, they will put in the studio, like set up a Christmas tree and lights and just kind of create this atmosphere in the middle of in July and just kind of like, okay, let's try and get in the mood here. I'm actually very surprised that you having that job that you still like Christmas music that much because uh, you're programming stuff like that's the type of thing that people just get like can't do it anymore. We're, we're done. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I still get it. And, and I think that's probably why I like amusing music. I still like, I don't know, Holly, if I say the name Thurl Ravenscroft, who do you think of? You're a mean one. Okay. Just check Mr. Grinch. All right. Excellent. Come on. Don't, well, bet. <laughs> all right. Even you. Well, that's true. You're a mean, yeah, Mr. Grinch. That's you. Okay. <laughs> You're a three-decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich. With arsenic sauce. Oh, I grew up listening. I mean, come on, I have kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not that that's, a, although I was yeah. familiar with it long before I had, when I was a kid. Right, right. I love that you put the, like the Beatles fan club music in there. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's such that's such a weird, interesting, like little curio of the Beatles right. catalog. And it they're weirdly, you know, obviously they were reissued on vinyl a few years ago and went out of print like almost immediately. But it's like they're almost weird, hard to find. And like no right. one can really agree on like the what the colloquial titles are. And like finding some of them were online was actually sort of difficult. But they're so, you know, they're so charming. You know, like you can tell that, you know, when they first started off, like all the all the releases were just so like, you know, they're all excited to be getting popular. And then by the end, like they were getting very serious and they were, you know, they were barely going to the studio all at the same time. And it's very psychedelic and kind of experimental. <laughs> to wish everybody happy Christmas this year of 1968 going on 69 happy Christmas happy new year all the best to you from here To wish everybody happy Christmas, happy new year. From there to here, happy new year, happy new year, happy new year, happy new year. And so, you know, they kind of, you know, invented the sort of the fan club single too. I mean, REM for years and years and years would give people a fan club single that was, you know, a cool cover or, you know, something kind of, you know, unique and different. And the Beatles really kind of, I think, pioneered that too. I remember, yeah, I had a friend in the, in the nineties who's like, who burned me a, a CDR of the fan club singles. I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is something really special. Yeah. <laughs> and it was. Without joining the fan club, you got that was, you got that music. I wasn't around to, to sign up for the fan <laughs> club back then, unfortunately. <laughs> Because I don't think they've actually ever been on CD, have they? I don't know. Just Probably that not. Final reissue. What yeah. about when you're listening to Another Lonely Christmas, the saddest Christmas song <laughs> of all? That is, I mean, 
you know, I, I know that was a sad song. And then when I heard about the like the backstory of it, it's even sadder. And the fact that Prince only played it once, mm-hmm. that's telling because that obviously that means it obviously meant something really deep to him. That is one of those songs that I think people not aren't necessarily that familiar with. But oh, my God, you know, Prince Prince can just tear your heart out like no one's else. All right. My one question about that song that I, I didn't do the research, but they played this board game called Bikino. Remember that night we played Bikino for money and you brought me blind. P-O-K-E-N-O. Have you ever heard of this game? I just looked it up. It's poker and kino. Poker and kino. It's similar to bingo in some aspects. I would love this because I like poker and I love lotto bingo. So this is probably like way up my alley. All right. We drink banana daiquiris and we play Bikino. I like this. Every Christmas. This is a good Christmas. Holly could get a board on on, with this. Oh, totally. Totally. And again, this song I think you is on our special and you were the one that told me i I guess i paid very little attention (laughs) to the song initially but the banana daiquiris i didn't get the reference and i was like oh okay now i yeah okay banana daiquiris and pocino and that's such a weirdly specific detail banana daiquiris i love it like yeah exactly it's a great drink but like you know it's one of those things that you really have to like bananas you really have to like banana daiquiris so you know it's probably a true story because there's no way you could just kind of pull that out of thin air right yeah who puts banana daiquiris in a, in a song what yeah, rhymes with that. banana daiquiri with, <laughs> with banana daiquiri i don't prince know prince would figure it out right well he could find a word uh, what was the word he rhymes it with blind every christmas night for seven years now i drink banana daiquiris till i'm blind as long as i can hear you oh. smiling baby you won't hear my tears <laughs> another lonely christmas is mine Ah. Oh. I mean, I, and I think that's what makes a great song. I mean, I've mentioned, you know, the, the Pogue song uh, uh, and this one as well. It's just, it's almost like a little movie in, like a Hallmark movie in three minutes, which is just, uh, it's a treat. And so many of those songs are like that. I love that you pointed that out because it's completely true when you look at some of these. And I mean, like, obviously there's the obvious one that Wham's Last Christmas, there was a movie named after it in recent years, which I have not seen. But, you know, obviously there's something like that. But, yeah, people have definitely said, hey, these, you know, absolutely could be used for something. You know, Rudolph, I mean, I guess, duh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So some of these songs absolutely <laughs> had, you know, Frosty the Snowman. So, yeah, other people saw that, too. But it's very true. So you dedicated the book to your parents and your husband. You said that your, your dad is a huge Mannheim Steamroller fan. 100%. And Trans-Siberian Orchestra. 100%. So Mannheim Steamroller. I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I'm so horrified. It was one of those bands, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, Ugh, you know, it's such an, like a, you know, an, an old person's band or whatever. This song was great. Yes, totally good. <laughs> I totally loved good. it, which it, makes me officially like- old. I love that you actually listen to it. That's amazing. It's stuff like, you know, you grow into prog rock or something when you get older, because this is so like, you know, all of the music is so much more complicated than you think it is. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And it does feel like old people music. And like, that's terrible. It, you know, my dad liked it before he was old and, you know, and he's not old now. He, he'd get very, very upset if I told him that, but it's a very grown up music. Like when I was a kid, you know, listening to it, it did feel like very like majestic. It felt like very fancy almost in a way. I don't know how to, else to describe it. Yes. But fancy different, different than classical music is fancy. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. That's fine. Well, I, I do appreciate it now that I'm older. <laughs> so pen- and, pentatonics yeah. are they on your list of uh of bands now oh you Christmas? have to i mean between between pentatonics and mariah carey that's like you know the dueling christmas like behemoths and i mean that in the best possible way because they are just like you know they have just done everything sweet silver bells all seem to say throw cares away christmas is here bringing good cheer to young and old making the bold ding dong ding dong that is the song with joyful ring all caroling one seems to hear words of good cheer from everywhere filling the air oh how they pound raising their sound on hills and dales telling their tales I grew up liking acapella in college, so I'm, I, I have a predisposition to liking pentatonics. But um, it's very impressive what they've done too. Yeah, I guess so. And, and Elvis kind of covers all genres. So yes, you got your yes. blue, got your blue Christmas. I mean, what's Christmas oh. without the blue Christmas? Another sad Christmas. <laughs> well, exactly. And that's the whole thing is that, you know, if people don't like Christmas music, it's like, do you like sad songs? You will love Christmas music because there's so many sad songs. And, you know, there's the jaunty ones that, you know, that are very sugary and make you want to like, make you like, you know, ooh, shiver a little bit. But there's so many sad songs. Like if you're lonely at Christmas, absolutely, there's a song for you. And I think that's part of also reason why I like Christmas music, because it's not all jaunty and happy. Like there's definitely some, there's just some edge, you know, there's some, if it's a little bit melancholy, that there is definitely a song for you. All right. So how does Annie Zaleski shape up her Christmas playlist? When, when does the music start to play? And do, is there a, is there a way you you organize it? Is do you have? I'm sure you have many many different type of playlists. Yeah. So uh, let's let's get I, a little insight into into Annie's home. It's December in Cleveland and the snow. Chestnuts is, roasting on the open ch- fire. Yes, exactly. That's what I hear. I hear they do that. So okay. I, you know, I've never actually done that. I know that there are people that do that, and there, there's a bar here that does it. I've never done that. So <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it's funny because like with many people, our stereo system, well, first off, our turntable's broken, our, our receiver's broken, which is very upsetting because we have unbelievable amounts of vinyl and CDs, obviously Christmas music, because I've been collecting like weirdo Christmas music for years and not like the, like the super esoteric stuff, but like a hair metal Christmas compilation or here's like the, you know, random alt rock ones. Or I have like two copies of Kylie Minogue's Christmas rec- you know album. I have three copies of the DB's Christmas record, you know. So I have all of these sort of obscure ones that have kind of come about. And so it's a little bit of that. And it's a little bit of, okay, what playlists are there online? Because I like you know, the alternative Christmas, especially. <laughs> you know, in the 90s, 
you know, there were so many great sort of, you know, alt rock Christmas songs. And so there's a ton of that stuff. New stuff here and there too, you know, different playlists. So it's kind of a little bit of mix of everything. And of course the radio, like I love turning on when the stations flip their formats for the holidays. I love it. And so I, I tend <laughs> to listen to that too. But you don't make your own playlist. Do you, or do you create like uh you know, I have I have gotten out of making playlists just in general, just because of time. But I feel like I need to make like a good Christmas playlist. What I, I will probably end up doing is like over Thanksgiving when I'm like watching the parade and I'm hanging out, I should probably make some Christmas playlists because, you know, this this is sort of just the start. Like I have so many Christmas songs I love. Dave, what would your lead in be for a playlist? Yeah. For a Christmas playlist? Well, I, I mean, I always start with Phil Spector is the way mm-hmm. to go. That's always my end. And then it goes to Elvis and then wherever. But it always goes to uh, my favorite bizarre Christmas song is by Bob Dylan. Must be Santa. Who's got a big red cherry nose? Santa's got a big red cherry nose. Who laughs this way? Ho, ho, ho. Santa laughs this way. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Cherry nose. Get on it. See that's red. Special night. Here that's right. Right? The best. The funniest music video. People don't like, don't, I mean, I mean have you seen the music video? You have, I, right? I love, yeah, that's every year we will put that that's, up on the screen and we'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. And like, cause like people who are Dylan fans know that Dylan is really funny, but people who might not be like, what is going on here? But it's like, you know, he's having a big old party. He's wearing wigs. He's sort of dancing and smirking. It's, it's classic Bob. I love it. It's so good. Like all great Jews, they put together their Christmas, <laughs> yeah, their exactly. Christmas album. Do you like that album? I mean, I know it it turns off as many Dylan fans as it confuses them. But see, but I I really people. like sort of like modern day Dylan, and I'm like I love his standards records. I think those are great. I really like the last record. Like I'm definitely a yeah. sort of you know latter day Dylan fan. That might not be as uncommon like after you know time out of mind, but I'm definitely sort of a fan of everything going forward. As I was listening to you talk about the radio, you you get a lot from the when you listen to the radio when they flip to Christmas. And I think that's actually what turned me off. Those are more of the traditional songs. And as I'm looking at the songs that I like from, you know, from your book, the rockin' ones, like even Billy Squire, even though Christmas is the time to say I love you, that's sort of a kind of traditional. <laughs> that was one of my favorite ones to write about because you know that's like very early MTV and that was like yeah. when- it was totally huge. And hearing about how the song came together, and it was basically like we're having a party at one of the studios in New York and a bunch of people were hanging out and doing like backing vocals on it. And you, when you hear it and then you, because everyone knows like the MTV video too that they filmed with like you know, radio people and MTV. And it's just like, it's a fun party. And, you know, that really brought new meaning to the song too. Obviously I heard that so many times, but, you know, knowing that, it was definitely something like, oh, we can go in for a lark into the studio. Like, I was like, that's really cool. Christmas is a time to say I love you. Share the joys and laughter and the tears. Christmas is a time to say I love you. And the feeling that lasts all through the
it was like they sort of released it as a single, but not really. It was a B-side. And then it didn't become a single proper for a lot of years, which I was very surprised by because I just assumed they released it at the time. And, you know, it just it really didn't. OK, can I mention can I just I feel like I just continuously out myself. <laughs> so I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Yes. I didn't know Santa was dad. I thought that mommy was actually having an affair with Santa Claus. Oh, oh, wow. So you wanted to ban that song because of it's very offensive. Yes, I'm very big on banning art. <laughs> you know, I, I think there are multiple interpretations. I think it's open to interpretation. But I did love that, yeah, that it was banned. Like, I, I was so funny because... Um, when doing research, I'm like, that is hilarious that people were so upset about the song that they wanted, that it was just, you know, too risque for Christmas music. Right. Really I could be funny. wrong, though. I always interpreted that dad was Santa, but maybe not. Oh, yeah, I, there is maybe no right. I'm going with your explanation. There is I'm, no right or wrong. And uh, baby, it's cold outside. We cool with that. You know, it, it's funny because I, I had to like I had to mention it. And I was actually very interested to see that that song caused controversy back in the day. That even like when it just came out, like this was not anything new that people were sort of like, what's going on here? That it did also kind of turn some heads back in the day. I, I did not know that. And so I was interested to see that. And, you know, I, I feel almost bad for the family because it was a husband you know, who wrote it and it was basically about them having parties and they were flirting. And the daughter, I think, has had to like defend her parents and basically say, no, this is what it meant. This is what it meant because there was such, you know, a, a whole storm about it. It was meant as sort of like kind of like cheeky and innocent not terribly over the top I really can't stay but baby it's cold outside I've got to go away but baby it's cold outside this evening has been been hoping that you so drop in very nice I'll hold your hands they're just like my ice. mother will start to worry beautiful what's your and eyes. father will be pacing the floor listen to the fireplace roar so really I'd better scurry beautiful please don't well, hurry well maybe just a half a drink more put some records on while I pour the neighbors might think but baby it's bad out there Say what's in this dream? No cabs to be had out there. I wish I knew how. Your eyes are like starlight to break now. The spell. I'll take your hat. Your hair looks swell. I ought to say no, no, Mind no, if sir. I'm moving closer. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. That's the sense of hurting my pride. I really can't stay. Oh, baby, don't hold out, baby. Ah, but it's cold outside. Plus, it's in the movie Elf. So what's more sweet and innocent than Elf? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Will there yeah. be, is there one that you will pop in once or twice during the season? Or three or four Christmas or five story oh. from in Cleveland. I have to do a oh, Christmas story. Oh, that's right. Of course. Oh, I thought Guess for what? sure you'd say Die Hard. Get... <laughs> That's that's my husband's favorite movie. Sure. But but is it a Christmas movie? Now we're getting to the philosophical yeah. question. That's... You, you know the the more, inter- the, the more interesting question 
asking Holly if she's seen A Christmas Story. That's true. Have you seen it? <laughs> I think I promised Dave every, every what, year, the first year we did this podcast that I was going to watch it and I never have. Every year I say it's on TBS yeah. for 24 hours. It's on right now. You could just pop it on. Just put it on right now. It's on. Yeah. And she, she refuses. Just stop. Just don't. Um, convince, I'm not going to say it again, but convince, maybe I will. Convince Holly. Tell her about how, how magical this movie is. You sold me on Christmas music, so I'm sure you can sell me on this film. It's it's magical, and even though Christmas is sort of the backdrop, it's more than just a Christmas movie. There you go. She'll give me one movie a year, I think, is what... <laughs> I will recommend something and she'll like, okay, all right. And then yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping she'll see it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just because I'm going to have to report back to Annie at this time next year. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> when she least releases version two. We were thrilled when we heard you have this Christmas book out because you were able to encapsulate everything in 100 songs. So <laughs> we love it. And it's out now, right? Absolutely. It's out now in stores. You can get it. And, you know, now that I think that it's becoming November, it makes a lovely Christmas gift. You can sit around with your family and talk about trivia. You know, it's good stuff. But yeah, it's out now. It's getting cold and snowy. So that all, all I can do is sit down, have my, my holiday movies on in the background to alternate with my Christmas music. It's a good time. Uh, get some chestnuts and start roasting those. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I, I want... <laughs> well, Thank you so much, Annie. As always, we love having you, thank you here. You for having me. Yeah. It's so fun, fun to talk to you. I always get so much out of our conversations. Yeah. I'm happy. Likewise. Have a wonderful holiday season. Bye. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Annie. Merry Christmas. <laughs> All right, Holly. I feel like we're slowly erasing the bah humbug out of you, and you're ready to open up the shutters and ask Tiny Tim what day it is. Are you ready for that? I think that you and Annie have had a hand in anti-scrooging me. <laughs> yeah. Sound, oh, and, you, made a, and, you made a verb. Congratulations. A new verb. So I'd like to clarify, though. I'm not Scrooge-like in that I don't like the holiday. I just didn't love the music in the films. <laughs> I'm all for the holiday and the celebration and Santa Claus and Christmas trees and love all that stuff. Okay. I mean, I don't partake. Oh, well, there it goes. Okay, but I so. love that stuff. <laughs> But now, now I am a pre an appreciator of the music, and maybe I'll tell you that about the films after the holiday season is over and I'll have watched A Christmas Story. I would love that. I don't recommend films just because I think it's uh, torturous for you. I feel like <laughs> this is something you would love. I feel like the whole family would enjoy it. I would, uh, yeah, I would gather the kids around your roast those chestnuts. I think I'd like to start learning how to play Pequino. Yeah, that's right. Holly, we're going to do that. We're going to play Pequino and we're going to drink banana daiquiris. And our What Difference Does It Make holiday party, that that's going to be the, the entertainment. Okay. Very banana good. daiquiris and Pequino. Okay. We'll have bring to, your wallet. I'll bring the directions on how to play Pequino because I have no idea, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Well, wonderful. Well, I think the holidays are off to a good start. So we're going to have future episodes. So please subscribe and like, and where else can they find what differences it make? So check us out on social media at WDDIM podcast and on YouTube at what difference does it make podcast? And you'll get a little taste in snippets of what we do here. And uh, from this week's interview with Annie. Yeah, you can find our website at WDDIMpodcast.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. So much to do, so much fun. We have festivities 
every Friday, meaning new episodes, and you'll be set for the new year, which is coming. It's here. All right. Let's break it up. Let's break it up. Break break it up. Break it up. Break it up. Break down. Break down. Yeah. Can't do that so well. We're going to end this right now so we could uh, start our uh, festivities. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Pantheon Podcast. Thank you to the people, the good people at the publishing company that Annie works with. At Running Press. Let's wrap this up right now like a, like a nice little gift. So until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.